Welcome, everybody, to the Equipped Agronomy podcast, where we bridge the gap between seeding equipment and agronomy. This is presented to you by Borgo Industries. My name is Curtis DeGoyer, and I have with me Mr. Jeff Strukoff. Hello, hello. We're from the agronomy team here at Borgo. Uh, today, Jeff, we're going to do a little bit of a, maybe a little different show, call it a show, recording here of kind of what we've been hearing at the shows. Years fresh back from Manitoba, uh, Manitoba Egg Days. The week before that was Crop Production Show in Saskatoon. And what was it back in October was... Uh, November, yep. November, right. It was yep. uh, Red Deer. I was at that one. Yep. I guess I should know when I was there. Yeah. Um, but we thought, you know what, maybe we'll go through some of the questions that we get at the shows. Because a lot of times if somebody has a question, uh, there's other people out there who also have that question. And then it kind of opens up, a, opens it up to us for discussion on some certain topics. So I think that's where we're going to go from. That's there where was, we're going to start. There was definitely some common trends between the shows. And we kind of agreed in advance that we were going to kind of ma- take a mental note of questions that we got. And we were going to actually discuss some of these things on one of the podcasts. So today's the day. Yeah. Because a lot of our stuff always comes from these shows, right? A lot of the the agronomy topics, the questions, and then what we do in our trials. Yeah. Comes trial, from... trial suggestions and different things like that. We actually do listen and take that to heart. So Yeah. yeah. Well, let's just get right into it then. Number one question at the show. Number one question. Didn't matter whether it was you or I. Didn't matter. We'll say in these last two shows. We'll leave out Red Deer at the moment. But uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last, last two, two for shows. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I would say number one question is, so what's going to be different now that uh, you guys got bought by Linamar? Bar none, pretty much every conversation that I had in, well, both Crop Production Show and uh, and in Manitoba at the Ag Days was that specific question. So Very legitimate question. Yeah. Very... Uh, very important question, I guess, yeah. right? And so what's your answer? Ah, uh, you know what? In all honesty, like I we're both going through this right now at the at the same time, and I think we could both agree that uh n- nothing has really changed. <laughs> like nothing. No. Um uh, the and I, I if there is anything to that may change in the future, it's the only thing is positive. Like it's all positive. So it's I don't know. I think it's going to be really good going forward. We, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Jerry. He, you know, had the opportunity of actually fulfilling his wish where he could actually sell the company and actually keep it in the town where it belongs, in my opinion. Uh, there's lots of other possible suitors, I believe, that would love to have bought Burgo Industries, but the first thing they would like to do is to, to move it to another location. And Jerry's a community guy and he understood that, you know, there's a lot of people that are employed here that would, mm-hmm. you know, it, it wouldn't be the same without this business in town because there is an awful lot of people that are employed at our industry. So let's, let's back it up for just one second there. Actually, Linamar bought Borgo Industries, right? Linamar, and, Linamar is so a new So who owner. is Linamar? Linamar, it got their roots in Ontario uh, in car part manufacturing, essentially. Started the business in their basement. In the basement. And Frank, ooh, what's his last name? Can't has, remember. Hassan Frost. Hassan Frost. Yeah. Basically started manufacturing auto parts in his basement and grew it into a multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. So, very successful. So, in recent, recent purchases, uh, Linamar also owns Macdon Industries. That was in 2017 or 2018, yeah. somewhere around there. And then in 2022, Salford. Yeah. Uh, you know, the... Salford Manufacturing or whatever you want to call equipment. And maybe not ag-related, they also own uh, Skyjack, which is a very prominent brand out in the the lift industry. I think they do like 
eight billion in sales now, Linamar. Publicly yeah. traded company too, right? Yeah. Um, but you're right. I think what they do is buy good companies, not fixer uppers, right? They're yeah. gonna buy a, a good company with good brand awareness. Good brand awareness. So not gonna change the name Borgo. No. That was another good question. Uh getting no Borgo stays the same. Yeah. Uh a couple other things. Borgo also owned uh, Highline Manufacturing and Freeform, which was included in the sale as well. So it's still under, kind of under Borgo, which is now under Linamar. Linamar, yeah. Yeah. So again, like you said, uh, factory, you know, everything's staying in St. Brew town here of about 500 people, right? And this factory, factories, buildings has what, 700, 750 Seven, people yeah. employed. So yeah, a fairly major contributor to the economy here. So, you know, Frank Borgo started up. He wanted jobs for locals and, you know, Jerry's going to, you know, ensured that that's going to continue on to the future. So yeah, you're right. I'm me personally, I'm telling people this, I I'm excited. I think that there's some really cool, uh, expertise that Linamar can bring to Borgo on the manufacturing side, on the purchasing side. Mm-hmm. I think there's some really cool things. They're obviously very interested in agriculture. Uh, now, you know, with the recent purchases, I, I think that there's some really cool, Synergies, synergies have been floating around. Link mm-hmm. and leveraging. I think there's been there's yeah. been some investor talk yeah. <laughs> out there. But uh, Salford, I'm excited. I, I there there's yeah. a really cool portfolio of equipment they have, and you know I don't think it'll be too distant future. Well, you'll see some stuff coming from uh, you know factory with combination of both companies in there. I yeah. No, you know what? It was really it was guess, really interesting but. actually in Brandon because the. Uh, the gentleman from Salford actually came over to our booth and actually we had a pretty pretty in-depth uh, conversation about different things that maybe we could collaborate on and, and things like that. And, and actually, there is a lot of things that I think we should be, you know, going forward, we should be working on. It's, yeah, it's going to be good. Really good. By far the number one question and good question. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a timely one. And yeah. uh, you know what? On, in all honesty, maybe once the dust settles down the road here and, you know, a few things are ironed out, we should actually get Jerry on the show. I think it's a heck of an idea. Yeah. We'll lobby for it. We'll, we'll see if we get like five minutes of his time and bring him on here. <laughs> yeah. Put him, put him under the microscope, make him feel nervous. It'll be good. Oh man, if you can make him sweat, <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Uh, some other questions there. Uh, you know, that was obviously on the, on the business side of stuff. Uh, I guess another thing too, we had a, we have our signature black tank just to kind of. Yes. That would be number that two. A, that would be number that two question. Good question. Yeah. So we've got a black tank. Now and and blacked out rims on the drill. It's our signature edition for 2025, 50th uh, anniversary edition, commemorating the well, 50th year. Yeah, yeah. But there's like Jerry's signature. Oh yeah, it. no, no. It's in gold. Yep, it's probably worth that. So yeah, I'm kind of looking at it like his sign off. You know, that's his sign off to the company. So it's a limited edition. Incidentally, when um, we were driving over here, we actually saw the very very first uh, black tank coming <laughs> off the line. So that's kind of neat. Looks good. Yeah, it looks really good, actually. Looks mean. Yeah. Yeah. Couple, uh, couple other comments, and I think it's mostly from within there on this podcast. I was just going to bring this up very quickly. Uh, you don't sound as bald as you look. That was. I uh, didn't even know bald had a sound, <laughs> but that was actually a question. Like, actually, the the, the one guy in Brandon was flipping through the book, and he's like, "Hey, that's you." It's like you didn't sound bald. Well, how does bald bald sound? I have no idea. Can't grow hair, but man, I think you guys can grow crops. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. So uh, that was a that was a good one. Yeah. A couple other quick hitter questions we always get at the shows, just for everybody knows. Uh, how big is that? We have the 9-1300 tank there. How big is it? What is that? Yeah. Um, you know, we got a lot of, it's, you know, the shows are interesting. We got a range of people that come through from 
people have been using our stuff for years and years and knowing it honestly probably better than we do in some cases yeah um to folks coming through from from town that are trying to understand a little bit more so yeah we get a wide range of stuff uh how much is it lots yeah lots is usually the answer there um so yeah that's that that was kind of some of the more vague kind of questions but did you get anything specific and even you know specifically into agronomy related actually i was i was pleasantly surprised at how many people had already had the opportunity of reading the cutting edge and they actually went through it and they actually want they wanted to discuss some of the the articles that were in there so it kind of makes makes you feel like you haven't wasted your time actually writing articles when people actually read them and it's it, it actually provided a really good uh entryway into a big long agronomic discussion about several different things so it was it was good actually cutting edge for those who don't know is our publication that borgo industries uh I guess sends out, goes out to all the dealerships and then into mailboxes if you're, if we have your address. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we write in articles in there. Jerry has an address in there and just kind of on the latest, greatest uh, from Borgo. So it'll be yearly now, yearly. We used to do semi, but yeah, uh, uh, now it'll just yeah. be yearly, annual one. So yeah, no, that's, you know, in that one there, I think the, the one topic that I maybe would get asked, but then eventually lead into it was our deep phosphorus yep. conversations, right? And I think actually we that episode's been released there now, and we were talking about it on deep phos, and so it was it wasn't necessarily a well, you know, this is what everybody has to do. The conversations I had, like it was just more here's maybe an explanation of what happened in a dry year, mm-hmm. maybe why you're not getting a response uh, to phosphorus in the seed row, uh, maybe as much as you thought you would. Maybe it just dried out. Can't get there, right? And mm-hmm. and uh, I know one particular guy had just purchased a. He actually just purchased an SPS three hundred and sixty. That's what we did our trials with. Yeah. And you know he was already. You, know, you could see the gears turning in there on how to get a a, a kit on there and an air kit. Uh, you know maybe another tank. Mm-hmm. He actually had some interesting ideas too, as far as on that machine. You know broadcasting in some some product right in front of the harrows in the rolling baskets. Uh, uh, like some edge and, and mm-hmm. you know, some of that on there too. And he thought that might be an interesting one for actually slough seeding as well. Some canola in those wet years, you know, if we could use that. So I thought that was a, uh, you know, an interesting concept and thought and, and there actually, was some other discussion. I actually had some really good discussions with, uh, current owners of 9,500, uh, the 9,500 chisel plows that they use for ammonia application and actually questioning on how, how much an air kit would cost for that. Because if they're going to be making a pass over the field already, putting ammonia on, maybe we should actually be incorporating some deep foss into this uh, mix and multitask. Absolutely. Get, as Ricky would say, two birds stoned at once. <laughs> yeah. That's our goal here. Yeah. <laughs> But it's great. The conversations, right? Okay, well, that leads to this to, you know, uh, um, okay. yeah, exactly. How can we do more things at once with it, especially if you're doing a Passover? Yeah. Um, I had, uh, you know, we talk about it a lot because uh, we've done a lot of research on it. And we're confident in splitting FOSS, mm-hmm. right? We, I've, I had a couple more questions. Guys are, you know, still like, well, I don't know. And, you know, so you just go through it a little bit and say, we've, we've got the research on it. We know it works. And now splitting FOSS, putting some FOSS in the banders, you know, so putting some in the seed row, rest in the banders. Maybe it's not because of those two feeding sites. Maybe it's that deep phosphorus, a little bit deeper in the bander, and we're getting putting access. it in moisture soil and having yeah. later access to phos because the soil is moist in that area. Yeah, like, I I think there's something to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a, a you know a couple more questions 
um, on max uh, nitrogen in the sideband and the sideband placement. Uh, you know, guys were interested in you know, what what we're seeing, right? Uh, where we felt the rates are going to perhaps hurt them, and and you know, and that leads into a lot of discussion on their soil type and and moisture, and you know, there's always a lot of uh, you know trying to dig in a little bit more on some of those conversations, mm-hmm. right? So it's you can't just do a blanket. Here it's a it's a hundred pounds. If you're over that, you're going to kill your yeah. crop. Um, it, it's a lot of. Well, it was interesting being in Brandon and having that exact same question that you're talking about there. But there was actually some work that was done at. Uh, I'm not sure if it was through University of Manitoba, but uh, it was done in Brandon, uh, where they were working with sensitive crops and sensitivity with putting nitrogen fertilizer in sidebands. So just being in Brandon at the show and actually being able to tell them that there was work done here already, yeah. and you can actually look that up yourself if you want. And it's not just us that's saying this. There's other. Uh, you know, PhD researchers that are actually finding the same thing. So, and that being just if we get too much close, yep. right? Yeah. Um, and of course, that leads into you know we'll go over and, and then chat on our on our Paralink dual shank, so the PLDS opener, and that we can move it over, right? Yeah. Um, and that's why you know it seems like I'm I'm asking leading questions and leading into this stuff, but honestly, that's how those questions started, and we didn't have a dual knife opener before. No. But we also hadn't maybe thought about, well, I should say, when we were thinking about a dual knife, to those questions, what happens if we moved it over, right? How does that affect it? And that's what we got, right? And so we can show guys that. And actually, I get a lot of positive uh, responses, not just from, you know, not Borgo guys, but like, you know, we got Seedhawk guys, Seedmaster guys, and like, oh, that's cool. You know, you can move that away a little bit to, you know, safen it up a little bit. Yeah. So I thought that was, that was neat. I, I mean, we always have all of our openers there at the at the stands too. So I know I get lots of questions on, you know, how does our two to one opener versus our one to one, the Paralake single versus the Paralake extreme opener. You know, what do they? How do they differ? What? Why would I buy one over the other? Mm-hmm. And I think I think we're going to get into that maybe in an episode uh, at some point. Um, I so, did I did have one. Just sorry, while we're yeah. on the topic there, uh, dual shoot opener on a single knife drill to accommodate a tri-max tank. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of people that were interested in uh, converting an existing drill right. uh, over to a, so you could actually have a tri-max uh, yeah. tank hooked up with a, a PLDS opener, but putting, really? a, putting another air kit on and actually- They are thinking about putting another yeah, air kit? Yeah, trying to get the triple shoot concept going with an existing drill. Yeah, so which, we've, which we've done. We, we've done that. And we yeah. offer, and we've got, a, there's a handful of them out there for sure. Yep. Um, some advantages to that one. Yeah. There's some guys that were concerned about straw clearance with a dual knife and Paul, here's, you could use this triple shoot concept, uh, with an existing and not have to maybe not have to worry quite so much about straw clearance. Well, I'll ask you another question there then. Uh, lay lay it on me. Well, focus more in Manitoba. I wasn't there. Uh, we know that's a heavier disc region. Yes. Right. Uh, and we do have two different types of disc openers. So how did you, did you have a questions on that and B in general, what was your, what was that on the disc side of stuff over there? Definitely more like Southern Manitoba, definitely more of a, a disc drill market. Right. Uh, there's quite a few existing disc drill owners out there. Uh, yeah, I, we went through the displays are all there for different openers, whether it's the Paralink row or if it's the, the PLW, uh, disc drill walking. opener, uh, pros and cons between the two. Um, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think there's going to be a few things that are going to be addressed here coming up, maybe, possibly. I'm not sure if we're supposed to talk about stuff like that. But when it comes to uh, changing depth, that's the number one complaint. Whether It doesn't matter if it's our drill or a, a John Deere just drill or whatever, but changing the depth on those drills uh, can be a little bit of an issue. Some of the some guys are a little bit bigger, and it's not that easy just to get into the inside of the frame to change the depth. But, uh, yeah, that's, throw that out there as maybe a, a teaser as to uh, – Maybe there's going to be some easier ways to change the depth on a disc drill. A quicker depth adjustment on a 3720, perhaps? Go, go figure. That'd go be figure. Pretty, that'd be really good. Yeah. No, I think that's actually be a game changer, actually. The things, and I don't know, have a lot of experience with disc drills in general. Uh, we've, I've used them a little bit. Uh, but the one thing I hear on, our, on that 3720, so that's the Paralink walking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on that drill, or actually I should say the Paralink row. Sorry, mm-hmm. that's the walking, the row unit, yeah. uh, Paralink row. You know, it's it's very close to a John Deere opener, right? Uh, but it's better. But it's beefed up. And yeah. I'm just looking at it, and that's the feedback we get from that one too. So I think that's you know, definitely something that I kind of talk about. And, you know, we can bring a guy over and they're like, that looks similar, but here's some. I actually learned quite a bit from existing uh, owners of uh, disc drills where – you know, there there has been some existing uh, owners of the the row opener that have switched over to uh, a thirty seven twenty or a, a, the PLW opener. Uh, if they're predominantly in a, a muddier soil condition, they would prefer one over the other. Uh, but uh, I like I didn't know any of that stuff. I don't have a lot of experience with the disc drills, other than I. It's really hard to beat the placement, the C placement with either one of them is fantastic. But some guys have preference one over the other. Well, I mean, hoe drills in general, yeah, you don't get. Uh you don't get the, the, what's it called there? Hair pinning. Yeah. Hair, yeah, hair yeah. pinning in there. So that's why a lot of, a lot of times guys go to hoe drills in general. Um, now I guess keeping on with comparisons against John Deere, the, uh, the conserva pack there, and I don't know if they're still offering the conserva pack, but holy man in Red Deer, was I getting guys coming up like crazy asking about our dual knife opener and mm. well, what'd you run before conserva pack? And I don't know if they're not, I guess they're not offering that size anymore, or maybe they're not offering it at all anymore. So yeah, I thought I'm that was that was a I thought that was a really interesting. Uh, it was just stunning how many how many yeah server pack guys were coming up. But yeah, other than that, there's some questions on augers and and you know the different openers. I mean, we a lot of good conversation in general. I hope you got some things. I know I got some trial ideas, perhaps on it there. Uh, some more deep foss, maybe yeah, like we said, winter canola, some biological stuff. Um, you know, that's starting to get asked a little bit more, but I think with that though, we'll kind of, we'll stop it there. Yep. And, uh, you know, the next show's coming up. Uh, I guess I'll, I'm going down to Lethbridge. Uh, that shows newer building there. So it could be interesting. So yeah, we'll hopefully get some more conversation and, uh, but yeah, feel free to, to call in or, or, you know, ask for me or Jeff or find us on Twitter and, uh, yeah, that's where I'm going to end that conversation. Okay. That's good with you. So, yeah, tune into the next episode and, uh, yeah, we'll continue our chat on uh, agronomics of equipment and uh, we'll get you growing. Until then, stay warm, my bald friend. <laughs> nice too. <laughs> Later. Later.